and we are back. This is the Fat Packs Podcast on the Beckett Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Eric. He is my co-host, Eldar. I got it out that time. What's up, man? How How are you you doing, doing, man? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. A little little, sleepy this morning, but here we are. A little early. I want to get to uh, our sponsors. Thank you to uh, the Collectible Card Club, Monster Breaks, and of course, Spotty Hawk and the Spotty Cock. Cash hotline. Yep. I'm tongue tied this morning too. A little bit, a little bit. I said, okay. okay. "Thank you for talking about baseball cards." And <laughs> <laughs> you just play your man. <laughs> so uh, yeah, man, it, it is a little early. We're getting here a little early uh, this morning, but we're here. We're good. We're having a good week. I hope you all are having a blessed week. I yes. know that I am. Uh, thanks, guys, for um, just hanging out. And the big topic of of the of this show is it's. It's episode 300. It's our big 300, man. It's our big 300. King Leonidas would be proud, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the Athenians would be uh, rejoicing right now. So yes. um, 300, big episode. Um, I'm sure we have something pretty special coming. Yeah, it's a, it will be a little, little later on. Um want to want to stay up front here this was supposed to be the dr beckett episode okay. we were, we were going to have dr beckett on it would just timing didn't work out right also uh because and it's all more on us than anything because we have to ship our stuff to toronto so uh it's it's just not going to work out that way so it's coming dr beckett will be on the show it's just not going to happen this week it's going to happen another week another week it's okay in the in sometime in into perpetuity it'll be gotcha 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 it'll be there so uh opening segment i know this is show two for you eldar yeah so uh we, this is where we like to do uh new products new pricing so let me go ahead and run off the new products for let me hear uh, it for the sports side let of things and you're going to take care of the non-sport side sure um first we'll start with new pricing we have uh three three products price for you bowman high-tech Bowman t- High Tech Baseball. Uh, again, that's a lot of prospects in that. Bowman Chrome Baseball is done. And 2018-19 Artifacts Hockey is done for you as well. So uh, those should all be priced in your online price guide. Or you can look for them in the new uh, magazines coming out in December. Uh, what do you got? Oh, well, you know what? Well, I, f- I forgot. I forgot we have what? new releases this week. We do. This is a lot. This is a lot of. Uh, this is a big one for this week. Uh, yeah, lay it on us, man. Come on. Uh, Twenty eighteen, nineteen Panini hoops basketball. That's nice. You know what? That that's good. Twenty eighteen Leaf autograph full size helmet. That's a fun one too. Uh, Twenty eighteen Panini flawless baseball. That's a massive product. Twenty eighteen Panini prism football. That is also going to be a massive product. Twenty eighteen Tops archives baseball hobby. And 2018 tops update. Uh, that's a, always a big one. There's a list. We have a list, a running list. I think about like 50 or 60 running variations for that already on uh, Beckett.com. But the big one, the big uh, Creme de la Creme product of this week, 2017-18 Upper Deck the Cup. That is just if you know what the cup is, which I'm. If you're listening to this show, you know what the cup is. It's a it's a product that is going to. Uh, just set the standard. It's going to be a nice wrap-up for the 2017-18 hockey season as we are already into 2018-19 hockey. So uh, this is going to be the one that sets the standard for uh, what the year was. And uh, just to give an indication for, for the big rookies in this, we know that Connor McDavid's rookie was uh, the 15-16 season. That, his, his rookie out of that product sells anywhere between $12,000 and $22,000, somewhere in there. Uh, Austin Matthews, who was the following year, his rookie sells for between seven and fifteen thousand. So uh, this this rookie class, we don't have that huge huge name, but Brock Brock Besser is in there, and you can uh, 
pretty much bet it's going to probably. Be, I think it'll fall right in line with that Austin Matthews area that somewhere between seven and fifteen thousand. So if you're lucky enough to pull one of those, you can bet that it's going to be uh, worth your six hundred or so dollars for the box. That's a crazy amount of money. It is. That is insane. It is absolutely insane. All right, uh, what do you got for new products, man? Well, really quick, I uh, just wanted to um, kind of shout out uh, right before. Uh, right before we started recording, you told me about a uh, article on Beckett: Ten Unforgettable 1990 Baseball Cards That Made History mm-hmm. and Helped Shape Collecting for a Generation. So, yep. um, be sure to check that out. That's on uh, Beckett.com. Um, well, right now, what I have um, f- primarily few comics coming out. Um, we got the Amazing Spider-Man number eight. All of these are going to be three ninety nine, with the exception of Star Wars Doctor Afra number twenty five. Uh, we got Spider-Man uh, number eight, or I'm sorry, Amazing Spider-Man number eight. It's written by Nick Spencer and um, colored by, hold on, I don't know how to say that, Paul Mounts. Um, tons of really cool variants on that one. Be sure to check that out. It's a big, uh, big Spider-Man line. I'm really enjoying it. Um, got X-Men Red number nine. Uh, it's following the events of the, uh, I think it's uh, it's very closely linked with the, the old House of M series. Star Wars Doctor Afro number twenty five. That's going to be four ninety nine, and with the exception um, to the others that are three ninety nine. Return of Wolverine number two, which is um, the one I'm going to be checking out this week, mainly because the tagline is "Logan is alive again." Let's see if he can stay that way, <laughs> because they recently killed off Logan um, like a few years back, and in, in a really grisly way. I'm not going to spoil it, but um, so well, if you see the movie, you you. Well, no, no. They actually also killed him off in like the in actual in the comics. Okay, way worse. Oh, okay, way scarier. And also, we have Spider Gen number two um, coming out on October twenty fourth, which was was that yesterday or no? That's tomorrow. Today. Oh no, that is today. We're recording today. So gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and uh, just a couple other things: Uh, Detective Comics number nine hundred ninety one and the Flash fifty seven. Those are both going to be three ninety nine as well. Uh, for the TCG side of things, there's actually some really cool coming out. Um, you ever played Street Fighter back in the day? Of course, yeah. So there's the uh, UFS, the uh, collectible uh, card series, is doing, um, well, in uh, cooperation with Jasco Games, they're doing a Street Fighter versus Darkstalkers card series, which is really cool. Darkstalkers is kind of like an old PlayStation 1 like vampire fighting game. It's very right. anime and... Uh, you, they're usually pretty closely linked with Street Fighter, so they're going to be um, kind of releasing like a trading card junket sort of thing. That's really cool. Sure. But yeah, awesome. um, that's my nerd stuff. <laughs> Thanks for nerding out, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> I really appreciate it. We, we're just going to call that nerding out with Eldar. Nerding <laughs> out with Eldar. I'm down. I like that a lot. <laughs> so, uh, all right. You you made mention of a uh, of an article that you were just talking about. Yeah. Uh, tops, top 10 baseball cards in 1990. I was reading this morning this morning. I mean, Ryan Cracknell, our hobby editor, did an amazing job with this list. Very um, well written. Just give you. A, I, w- I really want you to go read it, but uh, I, there's there's a card or two here that I want to point out. So the okay. concept is just these are our ten cards from 1990 that that just change change the way that uh, we we collected. And for my guys, so I'm I'm almost forty. Ella, you're twenty six. That right? So you, yeah, you're you're. Actually, eleven years younger than me. So, so while this was happening, this whole this card revolution was happening, I was a baby. You were a baby. It wasn't happening for me, man. Exactly. But uh, it's it's nice that you can see this. So you me educate yourself about what was happening in nineteen ninety card wise, right? Yeah. Uh, sports on the sports side of thing. Uh, one that I did want to point out was card number ten on this list, the Kevin Moss rookie. The Kevin Moss rookie. This I was telling you, this was a card that changed the industry completely, and it is absolutely worthless today. It, like this is. Are we talking like it's worth like a dollar? No, it's worth 
what ten cents, really, yeah, like fifteen cents. I mean, there are people out there that I guess for nostalgic purposes might pay a dollar for it. Yeah, but uh, this was a guy that was going to change, change baseball. He was going to change everything about it. And this this car, this Kevin Moss rookie, was directly uh, responsible for like the fall of the industry, pr- pretty much. Uh, because of just like how mass produced everything was back then. Oh, and okay. So it was indicative of that. Gotcha. Everybody wanted this Kevin Moss rookie. It, okay. It just had to have it. And it was just, I mean, he wasn't solely, this card wasn't solely responsible for it, but it was, it was a big indicator that of things to come. So that's number 10 on the list. And then I want to scroll down here to one of my favorite cards that of, of all time I've never owned. And if, if if there ever was a, an opportunity for me to grab one, I would definitely do it, which is the num- number five on the list, 1990 Topps George Bush USA number one. This was um, this was a card that top CEO Arthur Shorn presented to the president, uh, George Bush at the time, uh, 100 copies. So there was a, allegedly thought there were only 100 copies out there. There's a few more out there than that, but not m- not many more. And there's actually two versions of this card. But this is a card that just set in the 1990s set the world on fire in collecting because of, because of how rare it was one and then two this was also paired in the same set on the same series 1990s tops had the frank thomas no name on front which was a card that uh it was a frank thomas rookie card that they f- apparently forgot to put his name on the front of the card oh okay so it, <laughs> the, there was two cards in that set and of course the george bush card was something that was presented to george bush and it, it wasn't in, included in the factory set or anything like that but you can find it out there um, i wonder how much one of those is worth it, you know graded versions sell for big money yeah big money uh, especially high grade versions but uh it's a uh, it's they were both the George Bush and the Kevin Moss both caught my eye. And, of course, there's other cards. I mean, Frank Thomas's Leaf Rookie, Sammy Sosa's Leaf Rookie. Bo Jackson. You know, Bo Jackson. Yeah. Uh, Bo scored, 90 score Bo Jackson. This is, a, this is a great article for guys my age who should read it and just uh, just have a nostalgic so, moment. I imagine it's very nostalgic. And so what I'd like to what I'd like to do maybe during, like, Becca Whatevs, mm-hmm. I'd like to – and you probably covered this with the listeners before, but sure. talk about your – first experiences with collecting and okay. like where you started. That'd be cool. That'd be, yeah, we can, yeah. Do that. we can definitely do that. Uh, all right, so let's set up the show because yeah. uh, we have a we have a fun one here. We at first I have an interview that we I, that I conducted at the fan days from this from this past weekend with. Um, oh, let me get him right. I want, his name is Rick, but he's from the Pop Collector Alliance podcast. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, great show if you like Funko Pops. And Funko Pops are... And who doesn't? I mean, over here at the office, you know, you, yeah, you can't exactly. walk a, a mile without seeing like 50 of them. Exactly. Uh, it's it's a part of the industry and a part of a part of collecting that you cannot deny right now. Right. Exactly. It, it, you just can't do it. it they're everywhere. They're not Beanie Babies. They're, they're here to stay. I was <laughs> amazed at how expensive some of the rare yeah. Pops are. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. So, uh, it's an interview that I did with Rick from, from the floor of the uh, Dallas Fan... Days, fan days, yeah. Fan, I, I get fan days and fan expo mixed up. Uh, so oh, yeah, uh, we we talk about everything from from sport pops to just your your oddball line of pops, the licenses that they have that, that they don't maybe. Make I can't a, even a imagine thing. what kind of pops they have. Yeah, it's it's some, like they probably have some rare babies. Oh, of course they they 
they absolutely have lines of pops that you would not even think of. Like maybe there's one even. off. Yeah. It's so we, that comes up in the, it's real weird, up. like Highlander yeah. pops yeah. or something. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> weird stuff like that. <laughs> that definitely comes up in the interview. And yeah. then we also get into, uh, the, the stadium giveaway pops. Uh, so Funko Pop for that you for those of you who don't know originated in in just outside of Seattle, and they do this they do this in other stadiums other than the Mariners uh, Safeco Field, but they have specifically at Safeco Field they have Funko Pop Stadium giveaway days. So basically it's like so just super limited edition, yeah, rare, yeah. yeah. You get your bobblehead. You know there might be ten thousand bobbleheads or fifteen thousand bobbleheads, uh, whatever that night given away. Same same concept with pops. But they have gold editions and you know rare oh, alternate jersey editions. For for example, King Griffey Jr. just had one this past season that was the gold, and I believe, uh, in fact, I know that, that this to be true. Our uh, our our pricing analyst, our pop pricing analyst, just priced that thing between three and five thousand dollars. So it's a it's a stadium giveaway. Yep, three thousand. Yeah, that's it's, right. It's it's a fun little uh, it's a fun little added bonus for it's a it's a fun little added bonus for fans who walk into the stadium and go oh what's this let me learn about it well and if you get that gold version you're you're in the money bro that's awesome that's you're awesome. definitely in the money so we got that interview uh and becca whatevs i'll give a little recap of uh, dallas fan days but then our, our our feature interview this week we are of course still in the middle of slamoween this one's super cool i it, like this one a lot this is really cool if you were a fan of the hot rod rowdy rowdy piper uh back in back in the 80s and in the, into the early 90s you're gonna love this one uh, there is a there's an Indiegogo startup Kickstarter campaign to get this comic book off the ground called The Kilted Avenger, yep. and it's all about Rowdy Roddy Piper. And it's, definitely go check that out too. The art looks stunning. Yes, they're they're still looking to get this thing funded, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little later in the show. Yeah. But it's a it's it's a piece of nostalgia from especially from my childhood. Uh, to bring bring the hot rod back, and you know, sadly he's passed on to another plane, and he's he's no longer with us. I'm, we miss the Piper's Pit and all and all the great stuff that he did. But uh, getting him in comic book form would be an amazing, it's so cool. <laughs> amazing um, thing. It looks like they have a estimated release of twenty twenty. Okay, um, maybe a little sooner if they can reach their goal. Yeah, prior. It's not a huge goal either. It's like it's, it's, it's like 6, it's about it's six grand. Yeah, it's six so, grand. They it, they'll hit that. Yeah, they'll, I know that from. I hear them on other podcasts that I, that yeah. I listen to. They're doing a huge circuit right now too. Yeah. So uh, th- it's definitely a way to uh, get this thing funded. But for for Slamoween, we're still talking collectibles. We're still caught, we're talking wrestling, mm-hmm. and uh, I can't pass up an opportunity to talk about the hot rod. Super cool! Super can't wait. Cool. All right, guys, hang tight, and we'll be right back with that first interview from uh, the Pop Collector Alliance. And then on the other side of that, we'll have um, the. Kilted Avenger, (laughs) and we'll go from there. Yep. You guys hang tight. This is Lisa from Never Enough Cards and Evolution Sports Marketing. I'm here with the Fat Pack guys, and this is Beckett Radio. All right, coming up here next on uh, the Fat Packs podcast is my new friend Rick. He is part of the Pop Collectors Alliance. Does that get that right, Rick? Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. So uh, as I'm walking by here uh, at at the Dallas Fan Expo, there's there's pops everywhere, but you caught my eye because you have a little bit of everything. Tell me what's going on. So the Pop Collectors Alliance, we started last year in response to a lot of the, we call them flippers, right? Our tagline is the no flip zone. So a lot of people buy pop and just sell them immediately. So what we've done is we've collaborated with other collectors. We've built a platform that gives back to the pop collector where we travel these conventions and we 
sell things to fund our operations. So most of everything that we do at the Pop Collectors Alliance is geared towards giving back and giving our listeners and followers sort of a bonus when you can't find those hard to find items. So uh, that that flipping uh, aspect of the uh, of the hobby is something that I noticed probably about two years ago that there was a real um, just. Oh, as he as your son interrupts, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, there's there's a like like people just don't like the flipper, right? So you guys have created something to completely negate that. Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't say that we negate it because there are always going to be people that scalp, right? And we have, if you listen to our podcast, we go through what we define a flipper because it's unique, like. People define scalpers in different ways because there's people that buy extra things to support their collecting and there's also people that just buy it for profit and what we're really doing is to combat those people that are purely out there for profit and not to serve. That, that's smart. Now, um, Funko is something that has kind of just, Funko is something that's just kind of taken off in the last five years that I've noticed. I've been at Beckett for four yeah. And like probably a year prior to that, I started to notice it. I'm also from the Seattle area, so I'm oh, very man. familiar with with the brand itself. What what do you think is the biggest uh, aspect to Funko collecting, and that that made it really explode? You know, it's pop culture, and it's capturing pop culture. And Funko themselves always says everybody loves something, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's a fan of something. So, and you see as they grow, they buy more and more licenses. They're appealing to larger number of collectors. But one aspect that not a lot of people talk about is when you go to these events uh, like Emerald City Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con, even events where they do large releases at retailers, people line up and you start talking and it's sort of the political atmosphere we live in today. It, you know, people tend to butt heads, but Funko collecting, every all that drops and you're telling about stories about how you collected and hard lines that you got and everybody's got those similar stories and it's really a relatable collect collecting uh, factor that, that's truly there to the fans and the, just the stories, meeting the people. Now what got you into it? I mean, would, I mean, did you collect anything before you got into Funko at all or was it just, was this, a, was this something that was new to you so you jumped in? Well, it's funny that you, you're, you say you're from Beckett. I started with cards. So okay. I collected baseball cards, uh, football cards for a long time. And uh, here and there, little trinkets uh, at theme parks. But then I saw this and in the beginning in 2010, because I'm an older collector, I, I, I collected only things that meant something to me. And a lot of people do that now. Um, but I'd say around 2013, 14, I started buying everything. Because as we talk on our podcast, there's people out there when you start out as a collector, you tend to buy everything until you find your rhythm. That's what we talk about. Find your rhythm over the first year, and then you'll sort of sell down your collection and collect the things that you really want. But I mean, uh, I've been collecting for a really long time, and my, as all collectors could say, your collection evolves over time. Yeah, I've, I've seen that even with sports cards. You're, you're like, we have guys that we interview and talk to now are in the hobby that, that are super collectors of a one, of one player, you know. Um, so they only focus on, on Simone Dupree uh, or, you know, some somebody weird that you wouldn't even uh, think of. Yeah. And with Pops, you can do that too with with, with brands. And um, like, 
like with Batman, there's probably so there, Batman and Deadpool both come to mind. There's so many Batman and Deadpool figures and variations and everything. It seems to just go on forever and ever and ever. So the collector probably wouldn't ever run out of things. What are some of the smaller lines that you see that are really popular though? Uh, some of the smaller lines that I even collect myself are the one-off lines, like the horror lines, like Captain Spaulding, where they'll release one from a movie, Child's Play. Horror tends to do that a lot. I mean, I know it's still a genre of movies, but you still have those smaller collections. And then uh, I would say Adventure Time on Cartoon Network, the Benson Pop. I always say that that's my favorite pop. It's the little cartoon figure with gumballs in his head. Mm -hmm. And his figurine has the, the that same concept with free-flowing gumballs. So JN Silent Bob, Kevin Smith, those are all one-off uh, sort of niche collections. And they just came out with... Uh, I want to say Little Shop of Horrors. Yep. So you get that a lot in movies where it's the sort of one-off thing. Now, let me ask you this. Is there a Funko Pop bubble? Is it Because we all know what happened with Beanie Babies. Yeah. Is there a Funko Pop bubble? What, what's funny is, is that a lot of collectors, or non-collectors, so to speak, what they like to do is compare Funko to the Beanie Babies. And one big difference from Funko to the Beanie Babies is their hold on pop culture. So it's gonna evolve and it continues to evolve. And we always say when we interview people on our podcast too, when do you think that bubble is? Just like you asked me. And a lot of people say um, when the secondary market overtakes the retail market. And uh, you, you see that happen a lot um, now with how popular it's gotten. So I would say, I think we're safe for now. Okay. But as long as people are out there helping other collectors doing what we promote, I think you'll be fine. And for the most part, I see that as the secondary market and these flippers and scalpers grow, I see collectors helping collectors more. So that strengthens its collectability as that well. That helps a lot. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is something new that I've seen recently. It's probably been around for a while that I haven't paid attention to, but Funko Pop soda and Funko Pop cereals. Have you have you noticed those 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 lines? That's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's something unique. Uh, Mike Becker, the guy that created the company, he runs Funko South out of San Diego, and it's a line. The he does like some of the apparel lines and that cereal line. It's unique because it brings back that toy aspect. It's a little more expensive than your average cereal, but the the uh, the cereal changes the color to match that whole. Uh, whatever theme they are. Like Gollum is green, so your cereal turns green, but the little collectible figures in there are very unique. So I think it's them trying to expand into another market and find their, uh, I, I would say, footing in something outside of pop, trying to expand. But you can do a lot with their pop lines. They're coming out with light up pops. Now the Iron Man light up pops out. They have the movie moments pops where they're just capturing scenes out of film. So they've done a lot with that. What do you think about um, pops I see this a lot with the Seattle Mariners. They're they're extending into stadium giveaways, and like this, they just did a King Griffey Jr. one. I think, and I think it hit the market between three and five thousand dollars because it was limited to twenty four, yeah, and it was gold. gold. Yeah, the gold version of it. I mean, as a stadium giveaway, I think it's pretty unique, and it it brings an element to collecting that you t probably don't see at a baseball stadium, anyways. So. With, with them extending into stuff like that, do you think it's good for the hobby or do you, you think it's going to uh, maybe hurt it because there's going to be a very limited print run of those? I think it really helps the hobby in a way of, as a sports fan myself, when I see, I'm a Steelers fan. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> my last name's Steelman, so it works out. But you see 
a lot of sports fans when they go to the stadiums they get the pop and they're like what is this and then it sparks their interest and then you find that that stadium pop may be an entryway so to speak to collecting Funko because then you realize hey Funko does have sports lines and a lot of people don't realize they do sell sports pops and it's not limited to baseball they have hockey football uh, their soccer pops are coming out now Premier League pops so they're they're really getting their hold on the sports fan and as sports fans know I used to go to the stadium when I was a kid I lived in Virginia and we'd go and see an Orioles game or something and you'd get the bobbleheads on bobblehead night or something so I think it's a unique way for the teams to engage with their fans as well awesome all right Rick I'm gonna let you go because you got a whole line out here but uh before we do tell my listeners where they can find your show on social media all that good stuff all right well our show is the Pop Collectors Alliance podcast you can find it wherever podcasts are sold uh the apple uh podcast app or google play music spotify we're on there as well you can follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash pop collectors alliance and twitter and instagram at pop alliance pod awesome man thanks for hanging out today guys hang tight we'll be right back i, I thank you very much roddy piper in my opinion you jeopardized your career in meeting the iron cheek but you did get your hand raised our congratulations that's on why that. i'm roddy piper and you're not all right, guys, joining us here next on the Fat Packs Podcast is our feature interview of the week. We got my man Eric from this very cool comic book that we're trying to get into production called The Kilted Avenger. I'm going to let him tell you uh, what, what that is and a little bit about himself. But, uh, Eric, could you please introduce yourself and tell us what's going on? Certainly. My name is Eric Hodson. Um, I've been a, a comics artist in the independent scene um, probably since about 2005. I started out doing you know, traditional black and white books for a little while, and then uh, had some health problems. I got a condition called scleroderma, which sidelined me for a while, and I had to retrain myself how to draw, and then um, got back into it. Started doing uh, the fan art scene. Uh, Started doing a lot of wrestling art. I do uh, combinations of classic comic book covers with wrestling and wrestling scenarios. And uh, that, that really took off, and it led to getting the opportunity to now be drawing a official Roddy Piper comic book. Now, before we get into that comic book, you mentioned something there that is just mind-boggling. You said you had scleroderma. Why don't you tell us what that is, how, how that's affected you, but how you've overcome that as well? Well, basically, it's an autoimmune disease where your body attacks itself. Uh, one of the main symptoms that I suffer from is the overproduction of collagen in the joints. So all my joints kind of froze up like they're trapped in cement. Fingers especially are all frozen. And so I don't have a lot of fine motor skills. I probably don't have about 90% of normal hand function. So all of my daily life activities had to be, you know, ne- the necessities of the mother at invention. So I had to figure out ways of doing things that I wanted to do, that I needed to do to kind of work around this limit, this limiting disability. And one of those was spending a lot of time retraining myself to, to draw without having all the fine motor skills. So if you don't mind me asking, um, how did you train yourself to draw while having this affliction? Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, you just you put the time into it. And this is something that this has right. always been a passion of mine. It's what I've always wanted to do. It's always what I've been doing. Um, so, unfortunately, my hand, my right hand, uh, solidified in a shape still comfortable to hold uh, a utensil of some sort. 
Uh, so most of the work is done. I do a lot of broad strokes with my shoulders okay. uh, to, to overcompensate for not having fine motor skills. And technology has really been a big part of it. We've moved from everything being only traditional pencils and papers to being able to draw everything on an iPad now. Right, right, right. And the, uh, there's lots of fine improvements in, in the tools where it can over, overcompensate for my hands being jittery not having those fine motor skills. And it gives me opportunity to do things over and over again until I get the look that's right without wasting paper and tons of time. Gotcha. Well, from what I saw, your um, your line work is in- incredible. Um, very, very good pencils, very good pens. Um, so just to, switch, just to switch gears here, I'm going to ask you uh, just a two-parter here. So off the top, are you a, uh, would you say you're a Marvel guy or a DC guy, maybe Image Comics? Like, what is your preferred brand of choice? Well, I'm 40 years old, so I've seen the progression of all of it. I remember right. I started out inheriting my dad's comics, which were mostly all Marvel, and uh, then uh, I was really a big Iron Man fan in the beginning and collected all of the Bob Layton years. He was one of my main influences uh, getting into comics, him and Barry Windsor Smith. I followed them to Valiant and really enjoyed that initial run and got into Image. And it was just, you know, whatever kind of struck me that I that I enjoyed. I don't, I wouldn't really necessarily say I was always in one particular camp. Uh, DC for me, Green Lantern was about the the only hero that I really enjoyed in that universe. So I never really got into this DC. Plus, my dad being a Marvel guy, I mean, that was my initial bias going into it. So that makes a lot of sense. We we stay with those family ties, and we don't uh, we don't seem to sway too far from them left or right. If that's because uh, it just keeps things happy. Let's talk about the Kilted Avenger, man. Uh, let, let, tell yes. us what this is. Uh, how, tell us how this project uh, got underway, and why was it right to bring the Hot Rod to comic book form? Well, to start off with the first part of it. Um, this came about as a collaborative project between myself, uh, the writer, Dominic Riggio of Mesplica Comics, and uh, Ryan Barkin of Pro Wrestling Tees. We kind of have this uh, collective idea to do, we want to do a series of comic books centralized on wrestlers as superheroes. And so the Roddy Piper one is the first one in what we hope to be uh, a multi-book series that spans one story, kind of that shared universe thing like Marvel does. And um, so bringing in Roddy, Roddy's a good fit for it because he was always, he was an over-the-top character. He was a, a heel before it was cool to be a heel. And he was also the type of guy that everybody, every wrestling fan has a soft spot for the guy, whether you loved him or hated him in the ring. It really didn't make any point because he was just that much larger than life. So it's a great opportunity. We're throwing him into a scenario that's different. This is a completely new adventure. He's, uh, I'm drawing him in his vintage look, kind of with the large head of hair like he had in uh, They Live. And uh, just, um, uh, it, it's, it's him in this, like, he's like a talk show host by day. Uh, so we come up with a concept called Piper's Pandemonium. And uh, then at night, he's a vigilante. And uh, so there's going to, there's some, you know, there's like some, some Punisher Batman influences probably in there somewhere. But for the most part, it's going to be vintage rowdy, a lot of Piper-isms, things we've seen and, and references, stuff throughout his career and his life. And uh, some of the films that he's been involved in are going to be peppered throughout 
along with some guest appearances, which is kind of exciting. So when, when I first saw this, I my I initially went to uh, the Rock and Wrestling show, and he was he was obviously the villain on the show. He was the heel, and so. What I wanted to ask you is, are these going to be all new adventures? Which clearly he is, because he's going to be the the hero here. So, uh, yeah. what, what kind of stuff can we look for for him to get into uh, in in the Kilted Avenger? Well, uh, we're going to have in, a, in the initial opening of it with his talk show. You're going to see some of the crazy antics there that um, Piper in the Piper's Pit era in WWE. Uh, some of some things like that that he's been known for. We've got a great special guest in the beginning of the book, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, um, is going to be a part of it. And then um, later on, the story is going to develop around the central villain that's going to be, again, hopefully as this shared universe progresses, <clears throat> we have one large central villain who is trying to, like the the, the creatures that he is, uh, that he is, is uh, they're called heels. <laughs> and he's trying they, they can only survive by uh, having human hosts uh, so he's trying to turn the world heel basically Okay. and uh, we've got some, uh, Dominic's got a great script written around this uh, concept and we have all of these wrestlers uh, who uh, we're hoping to eventually bring into their own books and uh, complete this complete this story this is uh this is perfect for us. I, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, and I mentioned to you off air, Eric, that we're in the middle of Slamoween, and we we talk all things wrestling, uh, collectibles, and boxing and MMA, and uh, we're as a as a company we're we're kind of new to the comic book world, but this is a perfect fit for for my listening audience, and I really want them to get behind it, and we'll get, we'll get to the details of that. But speaking of someone who is behind it is is Piper's wife. She's she was involved with this project. What was it like having her support as as you help bring uh, this pop culture icon back to life? Well, one of my biggest regrets in life is Roddy is one of the ones that I didn't get to meet before he passed. Um, I had a few opportunities doing the convention scene, but unfortunately my uh, inner fandom got the best of me and I didn't want to bother him. I figured, okay, I'll work up the nerve next time. And unfortunately I ran out of next times. So to be able to be doing this and part of this project is a honor for me we're super thrilled that she's supportive again this is a connection from uh to her through pro wrestling tees kind of working this whole uh whole angle out and uh, so it's 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 great she's going to make an appearance in the book and uh we're we're thrilled that uh, we're thrilled that she's enjoying what we've put out so far absolutely absolutely so just uh switching gears here uh you know, like I said earlier in the show, your artwork is stunning, even more so considering the fact that you are um, ailed with uh, scleroderma. I hope I didn't mispronounce that. But like I said, um, awesome line work, um, really incredible inks, um, very um, new 52-ish in the DC line of comic books. Uh, what I wanted to ask was how much time goes into making just like a single page? Because um, there's a lot of detail that goes into it. So if you can, just how, how long does it take to just make one page? Well, this is a this is a good opportunity to dispel a misconception because a lot of times, a lot of questions that we get asked when we do conventions and stuff like that is, um, well, can't you just do it? Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, do it, do a, do a quick sketch or something. This is something you love, so you can you can just do it right. And it doesn't work that way because this is this is a full time job. I mean, typically, mm -hmm. I can get a page done in one whole day if it's already 
like the decisions are made. There's multiple steps involved. First, you have to get the script finalized, which where our script is good, we're right. golden. And now I am in a, the, the main stage of doing a rough layouts to figure out where the panels are going to fit in like a puzzle. So you got to make sure the readability is there, uh, that people can follow the action, what's going on in the page. And it's important to be able to, the words are there, they are important and they are a support of the story, but it's important to make sure that your visuals are also telling the story uh, as well. So there's a lot of work that goes into pre-planning, basically. Once those decisions are made, then typically a, a, an average eight-hour day uh, to put out uh, a page, and then uh, you would typically hopefully be able to do uh, right. two or three of those within a week. And this was going to be a 52-page book, which is why we put uh, a safe date of February 2020, which we're really trying to get this thing done by next year. But we don't want to uh, we don't want to overshoot our goal. We'd rather undershoot it. Right, and and you mentioned that it was 52 pages. That kind of exits the realm of of book and kind of goes more into graphic novel territory. I'm sure that um, I'm sure that's a massive undertaking. Um, so I noticed that you got uh, artists like Gus and Arville Jones to commission some prints for the comic. Uh, what was the process of reaching out to them like? Are you personally friends with them, or have you worked with them in the past? Well, I just met Gus for the first time at New York Comic Con, but I've known Arvel for a while. Okay. Uh, the, this was mostly uh, Dominic He re- reaching out to them. Uh, Gus actually knows Dominic Pryor because he's... Uh, uh, Mess Buckets published some other comics, and he's been around uh, for a while as a publisher. So he knows a lot of the not a lot of artists. And Gus is a huge wrestling fan, so it was almost kind of a mutual reaching out on that end. And then Arvell, he's a great guy. He's a great classic comic book artist, and this book is going to have the story has a feel of the '70s and '80s comic books. This is not going to be some uber dark story. It's all gritty and trying to be edgy or trendy. Now, this is a fun book that an eight-year-old boy and his 45-year-old father can both enjoy. That's, that's our goal. It's by Piper fans for Piper fans. Speaking of Piper fans, uh, I was taking a look at your Facebook page, and man, you guys just got a who's who of, of, of wrestling talent on there telling stories about Piper and, and, and expectations for this book. Can you can you point out a, maybe a couple of I, I love the Colt Cabana one, but can you point out a, maybe a couple of your <laughs> of your your favorite sorts? Colt, who also has a great children's book out right, right now that he that he oh, yeah, he did recently. Uh, I picked it up at a, at a, at a show uh, here here in the Dallas Fort Worth area recently. But Colt was great. But can you point out some of your some of your favorite memories uh, from? Uh, well, I guess with that on the Facebook page, can you, can you point those out? Um. Yeah, well, some of my favorite memories of Piper, obviously, uh, his uh, his Piper pet sequences on um, on WWE back when it was WWF. You know, he was uh, he was probably one of the best on mic personalities in the ring. Of course, uh, and uh, it just you never knew what you were going to get with the guy. And then he made a great transition in an era where it was hard for wrestlers to transition in the film. And being a, an amazing action star, They Live is one of my favorite movies of all time. Not just for its message, but I mean, it's just a great action movie, well played, well acted, and, and Piper is a stunning uh, performer in that. So, 
I mean, he's just uh, he's just an all around real uh, impressionable and uh, easy easy to like uh, character. Um, so, and in you know being a young kid and you know watching movies like that and seeing him in the ring and his antics, like you know cracking uh, what's his name over the head with a coconut, right? You know, see things you couldn't get away with nowadays. Uh, I remember when he painted himself half black and half white and had an argument back and forth with himself. Right. I mean, just, just, those, just those things were just like just out of, out of character for anybody, but perfect character for him. So it definitely made an impression on me. You, you made you made a reference there to cracking the coconut, and uh, you guys got a lot of different levels that contributors can go to and and support this project on Indiegogo. Uh, one called the broken coconut, but there there are a few different levels there. Can you can you uh, lay out some of these levels and and what uh, a potential contributor could some of the incentives they could get from that? Absolutely. Well, our first one is you know it's the twenty five dollar. You get a signed copy of the book signed by both me and Dominic. Uh, and then uh, we've got some interesting tiers going up from there because again, Piper's a talk show host. He has a huge audience that he's performing in front of for the first half of the book. And we want to put real people in the audience as much as possible. You're going to see a lot of the stars that you see in the video peppered throughout the book in the background scenes and some in the audience. But we have an opportunity for fans who want to select these perks to have their likenesses drawn in the audience. Uh, You can step up from that and actually have your face be on one of the bad guys. You'll be one of the bad guys in the later scenes that Piper's beating up and fighting. So cool. And we have this really ultimate tier where you can actually be the main villain. Um, that was uh, something we kind of threw in there as a whim. Not really certain that somebody is going to come along and want and want to spend that kind of money. But you get to you get to face Roddy Piper throughout an entire comic book and basically st- star in it as the secondary role. So <laughs> if I had the six grand, I would do it. That's so cool. <laughs> I love that. Um, so I did see, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say that my big thing when I'm, cause I've got other projects outside of this that I do. I do a web comic called, uh, dinosaur man on webtoon. And when I'm writing stories, I don't like throwaway characters. I don't like background characters that just exist for background. Right. So the more we can have legitimate people serving in these roles and they have ties to the story, maybe. Uh, all the better. That's just kind of my personal philosophy with creating stories. Yeah, you don't want to overflood the you don't want to overflood the comic. I get that. I get that. Um, I did have a quick question. Um, so I saw in the Indiegogo campaign that you guys are going to be going to over what was it twenty five to thirty different comic book conventions across America. So what sort of promo are you guys going to be doing while you're hitting all these cons, and which ones are you most excited about going to? Well, let's see. We're we're basically taking. Uh, we did a. Um, we did the original art as a New York Comic Con exclusive print, and we've got some of those left over. So we're going to keep, we're going to bring those out to every show that we go to as a way of promoting the book. And uh, we've got till November nineteenth uh, for the initial funding of the book. So we're trying to hit as many. I'm hitting some ones local here in Detroit. I'm also going to be really looking forward to uh, Louisville SuperCon in November, which um, is a great promotion because they bring out a lot of wrestlers. So the wrestling community is always there. Um, and then I know Dominic is getting ready to head out for Los Angeles uh, for a show out there. So that's going to be a really good one. But uh, throughout the rest of the year and looking into next year, uh, certainly Denver Comic Con is one of my favorites. Uh, Salt Lake Comic Con, 
Uh, I try to get to Texas. I don't get to Texas often, uh, but we definitely want to hit that market as well as uh, like Chicago shows. And then, of course, New York Comic Con, East Coast. Um, I Myself, I do about 25 is kind of conservative because myself, I'll do about 30, maybe 32. I usually do two or three shows a month, especially during the heat of the season. And uh, Dominic's right there under me, probably. About, so we just kind of averaged it and said, we'll at least be doing about 25 shows. <laughs> we, we do got to get you to Texas. This is a this is a hotbed for of, of wrestling history, obviously, with the Von Erics here and uh, just the names that came through here for, from world class. Uh, Piper is, is, is beloved here, and this is something that would work great. I know that coming up in the spring, we have uh, Dallas Fan Expo, which is a perfect... I think it's a perfect fit for this. So uh, yeah. we, we got to start a campaign and get you here. A uh, <laughs> couple of things I wanted to mention before we wrap up here. One, uh, Mess Bucket Comics. Love the logo. That's the classic NWO look. Who came up with that? It was something that we kind of just, just thought about on a whim because uh, we wanted to really kind of brand this for this book. He's got other logos that, he, that are his main logos. This was just branding just for this uh, Indiegogo go, go go campaign and around this book, so that, that's we just thought it would, thought, we thought it would be a great little uh, little touch on it. <laughs> It is perfect. That is absolutely perfect. Uh, and also, I mentioned off air that we, uh, you know, we're 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 mainly sports sports collectibles uh, of a show, but we are branching into comic books here. But I want I wanted to ask: Did you collect baseball cards growing up, football cards, or anything like that? And if you did, uh, do do you have some favorites that you might want to share? Oh, absolutely! I was a huge baseball fan as a kid. One of our family pictures was me and my parents. Parents are both nice and dressed up, and I'm wearing a Jose Canseco T-shirt. <laughs> That's perfect. So I, I was huge into baseball pre-strike, and then uh, kind of fell out of it with because of the strike, and I've recently gotten back into it. I grew up in Missouri, so the Royals are always my team. So some of my favorites that I still have around are George Brett rookie cards, uh, Bo Jackson, because uh, I loved that whole 1985 Royals era. Sure. And uh, the Oakland Athletics, some of the old stuff, you know, before, and again, before the whole steroid controversy and all that hubbubaloo. But uh, now I'm residing in Detroit, and I try to take in a Tigers game every once in a while. I did football uh, cards, too, for a little while. Um, they didn't really have, like, base, collecting baseball cards is one of those, like, all-American feeling things. Sure. But uh, football cards is just kind of oh okay they're 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 in uh, the newer newer cards that I've seen don't really thrill me as much anymore. I understand, but uh, I certainly like uh, every once in a while I'll pop on eBay and uh, see if there's any uh, old old uh, old guys that I used to root for as a kid uh, within reason. Awesome. Uh, and another thing I want to mention since uh, we're talking sports here, uh, Mess Bucket has kind of mer- gone into a mode where they're working on. Sports-related comics. Okay, and he's got one right now called Donnie Brook, which is he was uh, Dominic was. Um, I'm probably going to mess this up, so he can correct me later. I think he was a Triple A hockey player. Okay, uh, I know. I know he definitely played it in college, and uh, so these are it's based on some of his experiences uh, playing playing hockey, and um, he's working on some other projects as well that'll involve some other sports players. So. There'll be more opportunity for comic books and sports to overlap as far as the mess bucket label is concerned. That's awesome. That's kind of like that uh, that 
mid '80s, early '90s breakfast cereal uh, with Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, and Bo Jackson as they crossed over into cartoon and comic book form. So oh, that, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. um, hey, you remember you remember the Super Pro comic? I think it lasted like two or three issues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. All right, let's let's wrap this up and get you out of here. Uh, we, we want to respect your time, but before we do, can you please let our listeners know uh, where to f- where to find all the important social media and how they can back this project? Because if I know my audience, uh, they they love Roddy Piper just like I do. So please hit them with that information. Okay, first of all, if you're going on Twitter, go at Mess Bucket Comics, or you can do at Dreaded Dinosaur Man, uh, which is mine. And then uh, Facebook page is uh, the Roddy Roddy Piper Kilted Avenger. The easiest way to support us is go to the Indiegogo. You can go to KiltedAvenger.com or just go to Indiegogo and type in Roddy Piper's name and you'll find it right there off the bat. Select one of those perks and we'll be happy to uh, sign some comic books for you. I will be thrilled to draw some of your listeners in the book if they so choose. That is a, that is a great I just got some bonus money. Maybe I'll just shoot some that way. That's (laughs) That's awesome. All right, uh, Eric, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Um, Before we get out of here, I want to thank Sparty Hawk and the Sparty Hawk Cash Hotline for having you on today here on the hotline. I really uh, look forward to seeing this in 2020. February 2020 is the target, target date, guys. Go contribute to this. Get your face drawn into a comic book and get your ass whipped by Roddy Piper if you want to. That would be awesome. Uh, Eric, any parting shots? If not, we're going to bid you adieu. All right. That's all I got, and I hopefully we'll see you guys in Texas next year. Awesome. This is Lisa from Never Enough Cards and Evolution Sports Marketing. I'm here with the Fatback Guys, and this is Beckett Radio. All right, guys. We're back after that quick break. What a great interview. Very, very uh very fun for those of us who 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 knew who Rowdy Piper was and the legend of Rowdy Piper, the ki- the the kilted Avenger. Kilted Avenger carries on, and uh, this is a comic book that I I hope gets off the ground. I really want to see. I it. hope so too. Uh, he sounds like he has a really good team behind yep. like supporting him, yep. and I mean, just I hope they hit their goal. I really do. So, so go check out that Indiegogo page. There'll be a link posted to it in the show notes. Go check it out. Donate if you want to. But if you if you don't, just know that uh, this is coming, and uh, for everybody who loves comic books and loves wrestling, this is a great mix. Super cool reward tiers too. The yeah. last one is uh, if you if you pay the, the, if you pay six thousand dollars, you could be the main villain of the book. Right. So do that, that <laughs> if you have the six grand. That's cough cool. it up. That's cool. Also, that like you can get in, you can get into the book. You'll be in the book. Yeah, that's forever. A, You're immortalized for exactly six, for six grand. That's awesome. So. That's so awesome. So uh, yeah. yeah, go check it out. Uh, I I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, Enjoyed that interview. I know that I did. And uh, long live Rowdy Rowdy Piper and the Kilted Avenger. Let's, Absolutely. Let's make this happen. Absolutely. All right. So you asked me a question at the beginning of the show. Did. Uh, how did I get into collecting? Yeah, what was your, what's your like, what's your origin story when it comes to collecting? Um, you know, it was, I, was it like, how did you stumble upon it? Like what made you be like, whoa. It and, was just, it was just something. So I lived in a small town. Uh-huh. I, I, um uh, not Bosnia, small town, but just still. <laughs> I lived in. Uh, I lived, smaller than that. Yeah, I lived in uh, Springtown, Texas. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it, I know where It's twenty five hundred people. Sure. Like on a good day, on a Sunday, when yeah. church is in, they're like it's this really not out there. There's not a lot to do out there, basically. And um, dude, I'm from Euless. I know exactly how that is. Yeah. So I, uh, I get. I, I think it was my mom or my dad just like bought. No, it was my dad. Yeah. He was a, he was a plumber, and he brought. Somebody had thrown away a bunch of old like ninety one score baseball cards and was just gonna throw them away, so he brought them home to me. 
and that's how I that that was my introduction to it. Oh. And I was just flipping through this. And Ninety-one score is a huge set, man. It's like it's massive. I think it's like, Beckett was doing his catalog. Yeah, around that time too. Doing that. So and, would you, were you able to get your hands on one of those back um, in the day? Sure. There was one. There was one card shop in Springtown, and she was not very nice. The lady that ran it. She oh, that's just, weird. She was old and crotchety, and just huh. not not didn't probably shouldn't be in the uh, hobby. Yeah, slash she, like fun. She probably got industry. all. She probably got a lot of those Kevin Moss rookie cards and just didn't. <laughs> oh yeah, I probably should invest in like hundreds of those. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, she was she was there. They had Beckett's there, and then but what ultimately ended up happening was my older sister, Melissa, got a subscription to Sports Illustrated for Kids. Yeah. And Sports Illustrated for Kids had uh, a perforated page with sports cards on them. Oh, cool. Uh, very famous. I mean, um, Jordan Spieth's rookie card is in there from you know. Uh, more more recent years, but I believe that they had Tiger Woods in there, like back nice. in the '90s and stuff like that. That was a little when I was a little bit older. But she started getting Sports Illustrated for kids, and those perforated cards is what we pulled out and collected those. And then also, uh, I wrote I wrote a blog post about this uh, earlier this year. Um, around Halloween, I forget the year. It might have been '92 or '93. Uh-huh. Uh, Coca Cola had uh, Monsters of the NFL cards in 12 packs of coca-cola okay so you get a you get a pack you get a, a, a 12 pack and so you then, just drank coca-cola like a lot <laughs> well not really <laughs> oh, uh, okay so but in the 12 pack of coca-cola if you if you stuck your hand in right under the little opening where the where the pre- preparation is you could uh-huh. you could fill that pack you maybe pull it out a little bit oh no <laughs> nah, oh no no I, I i you know i've had my i've had my blockbuster stories with that too so, so uh w- Honestly, what happened was my dad. I, this was a it's, again. I, I posted it's on my blog. Uh, yeah. Just left to write. You can go read this story. My dad one night at after dinner, he said, "Hey, come out here. I want I want to show you something." And he took me out to the car, and he uh, uh-huh. he's like, "Hey, look at this." And he he gave me all these packs of monsters of the monsters of gridiron. That's what it was. Whoa! And it was from Coca Cola. I guess he had been drinking a lot of Coca Cola. Probably, yeah. So uh, that was that. Those were some of my earlier memories okay. of it. And then. Um, as I as we there's a running joke on this show about most of our guests we ask them you know what got you out of collecting what and, got you out of collecting yeah and they're like nine nine times out of ten it's a girl like they got that got older and they get married you get or whatever. married and it's a girl and they they forget <laughs> about it or they go to college and they get interested right, in it. right right and then you know thirty five. 36 37 years old they're like oh i haven't collected cards in, in a while i have all these in my basement let me let me start doing this again so um what happened was i i joined the army and even when i joined the army i was still buying wow. cards and stuff like that that's crazy like i i would imagine that joining the military would just like completely halt collecting it 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 did in a sense because uh like I, I got all these cards and I realized, oh, I have nowhere to keep them. Yeah, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with it? You're gonna carry those big white box? No, <laughs> exactly. So uh, I stopped. Yeah, got deployed, and then on got deployed a second time as well. It came back, and then that's when I really started getting into it again. Oh, I, okay. I had a little bit of disposable income. I had no family to worry about. Right, right, right. And I could spend spend the money that I wanted to spend. So uh, that's I guess 2008. Yeah. 2007, 2007 was the uh, when I really got back into it and uh, started having fun. Gotcha. Started having fun. Well, what's, what's like? What's your rarest card? What's your rarest card? What do you have? What do you have? <sighs> or or piece of memorabilia yeah. in general? Um, 
I don't have anything real because, like, I, I you know, I, I collect like Pokemon, Yu Gi Oh, like Dragon sure. Ball cards, but I'm not super like. I don't have anything particularly rare. Yeah, I don't. I don't have anything like that either. Well, I mean, I I take that back. I got a first edition. Um, one of the guys over there in uh, grading has one too. Yeah. I got a first edition um, Charizard, but that's just about the only rare thing I have. Okay. Yeah. So I don't have anything like that. Definitely not a Charizard like that. I mean, uh, that card is is amazingly uh, famous for what it is. I got it, I got it like screw locked. Did you? Okay. Yeah. So uh, I have some Kyle Seeger pieces, like my. I, I worked for the Seattle Mariners, and my and my son uh, was born in 2010. Kyle Seager's first cards are in 2010, so I have some Kyle Seager oh, okay. pieces that are uh, out there. Rare. I have some 60. I think it's 68, 69 Opeachy that the Dow, well, the Minnesota North Stars. That's, that, yeah, that's fairly rare. It's. Uh, I have most of their team set. I have 69 Pilots cards. Uh, that I collected for my son as well because he, again, sixty nine. The pilots played in Seattle. In Does 69. he collect too? He's getting into it. It's not high on his list, right? Because he's eight. You yeah, know? young. <laughs> yeah, but like I'm a I'm a flipper at heart. It's like yeah. so everything I get, I'm just flipping. I, I, oh, okay. I don't I don't care, dude. I hoard it all, man. You, you just hoard I, it all. I, I hoard it all, except if it's like uncommon or just like yeah. trash. But like if it's like shiny, I'm keeping that. I got you. Yeah, I got you. So that's. I don't have anything super super rare, but I've seen. But yet the, the bonus, yeah, yet. yet the bonus of working at in the Beckett offices is we get to see super rare, cool pieces come through anyway. So you literally just walking down the hall. Yeah, exactly. You look down. Exactly, there's a rare card. <laughs> that's at that point. Uh, so that that's a little bit of my origin story. It, I mean, it's not it's not huge. Uh, I don't have this huge story like, oh my god, my Kevin Moss collection was. But it's like at your fundam, <laughs> it's at your foundation. You know, it's yeah. when you were a kid. That's, yeah. that's you know everything we love now is primarily whenever we were kids. Yep, uh, eighty-seven tops was uh, that was a game changer for me. Yeah. I know that I said my dad brought me home all these scorecards, which he did. Hmm. But eighty-seven tops when I when I that was that was that's really when it fun. got that's when it got like big leagues for you. And you're like, ooh, let's go. Yeah, so let's go. it was. Uh, I love that design. Now and looking back, I you know I had those cards. I had some of those cards, and that's the that's where Bo Jackson's rookie is found. Uh, and I had I like those cards. Des- I like the design of those. So in in 2007, when I got back into it, I started getting the, I, that wood grain. That wood grain is sexy, man. So I, I started ooh. getting that wood grain again, and uh, had had those around. And that's still my favorite set. 87 tops is still, and it's. I think if you ask guys my age, it's they'll, un- they'll tell you it's unique thing. to put wood grain on it. Yeah, I think so. It, I, I haven't seen that in any other like form of collecting. That's exclusive to eighty seven tops. I uh, I once called it on this show the minivan of of collecting because that wood grain on it. Bit, yeah, <laughs> but I love it. It's it's so awesome. Yeah, back right. in the day when you could just put wood grain on anything like the Atari and just yeah, be like, hey, it's this is cool, right? Exactly. It's like it will be in forty years from in now. 40, yeah, forty years. From <laughs> now. All right, man. Let's move on here yeah. because you saw a movie that I wanted to see, and you gotta uh, go check it out. I I can't find it at a theater near it's, me. It was really weird to find. So me and my girlfriend, we were out scouting for this movie. We went to a um, Alamo Draft House, and they were like, "Oh, uh, I know it says it on our website, but we're not showing it right now." And I'm like, "That's strange. What is yeah. this like? Like it felt like a, I was on a wild goose chase." Anyway, so I'm talking about Bad Times at the El Royale. Okay, what a cool movie. You see, on Glorious Bastards, right? Yeah. Okay. So, bad times at the El Royale is basically, in, and follow me here, but it's basically bad. T- um, it's basically sorry, Inglorious Bastards, but instead of Americans fighting Nazis, it's weird sixties caricatures of like characters. Like there's a singer, yeah, a yeah. vacuum salesman, and they're all played by famous people. You know, you got um, well, good actors. You got John Hammond, sure, um, Chris Hemsworth, and um, Jeff Bridges. 
Yeah. Jeff Bridges is my favorite role in the film. But basically, it's just this like noir 70s, maybe 60s. I don't know. I couldn't put, put the. I couldn't put the time piece in there. It had Deep Purple in it. I don't know. That's 70s. Yeah. Okay. So it, had, uh, it was like a time piece in the 70s, and it was just like really stylish and really cool, and it would go from like scene to scene, but in a very Tarantino way. My girlfriend's going to kill me for saying that because she's like, nah, everything has to be Tarantino. Right. And I'm like, well, you know, but a lot of things are, though. But no, it's a, I give it a huge recommendation because the acting was just super. Okay. Great story. In a very pretty unique film, um, there's a lot of junk out there right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I saw Stars Born, and I was like, "That's fine." It's okay. See, that's a movie that I really want to see, it's, and I want to see it because Dave Chappelle is intriguing to me in a role like that. Yeah, and not that I'm a he, huge. He did pretty well in his role. Does, I'll say that. Yeah, and not that I'm a huge Andrew Dice Clay fan, but I haven't seen Andrew Dice Clay in something since like Ford Fairlane. So it's okay. It's some, but he was. For someone my age, Andrew Dash Clay was like this mega star in the comedy world right. because he was he was gritty and raunchy and just he was full of lewd jokes and that he was just like on top of the world for for a period of time in the late eighties and early nineties. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, I want to see him in that just to see because the Star Is Born is definitely not gritty, dirty, raunchy, funny like that. Right, I mean, uh, I mean, no, I can so see like, where it could be comedically. But, no, that yeah. movie isn't really funny. Yeah, but um, it, it, it's 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 fairly dark actually. Yeah, it, it has it's, it's a melodrama, of course. You know, and then of course it, that's the third time that movie's been remade. Uh, fourth is a fourth fourth time that yeah. movie's been remade. So it's, it just uh, keeps jumping decades. Yeah, it sure does. I, mean, the, I remember the the Barbara Strand tri- Streisand Barbara Streisand one, one in, yeah, in the yeah. 80s and then it was done before in the I think the 60s or the 50s that was uh also Yeah, done. I think the 60s. I think so, the 60s. Gaga did well too. Cheap, man. Let me tell you something about Lady Gaga. Unbelievably talented? Too talented? I, I mean, it's crazy. I was not a Lady Gaga fan. No? Like at all. I I couldn't stand that stage persona that the over the, the just the over the topness, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, then I saw her in American Horror, Horror Story oh. Hotel. Wow, okay. You got into Gaga at a weird, yeah, I did a weird place. So, <laughs> and she plays this queen vampire. Hell yeah, she she's amazing. Absolutely. Wait till you see her in the Stars Born. Yeah, she's a completely different role. She's obviously not a vampire. Of, of clearly, I hope. But uh, and then in season <laughs> and then season six of that is American Horror Story. Uh, Oak Island. She was a. Uh, she played a, a weird role too, but it was. I never saw. Yeah. I just saw her as the uh, American Horror Story, like the vampire. Yeah, she was amazing. Oh my goodness, she was amazing. So uh, I, I have a new found respect for her talent. I think. That. I think uh, that will only increase after you check yeah. out the Star Is Born. Um, good couple flick. You know, yeah. just go check it out with like your significant other and just talk about it after and uh, watch them cry a little bit. There you go. All right, let's swing this back around to the world of sports and collecting because. Sure. Uh, the trade deadline, the NFL trade deadline is uh, six days away, seven days away. It's it's the, it's the middle of the next week. I believe it's the 31st, actually, so it's about seven days away. Um, but with that being said, there are some trades that have been happening in the NFL thus far, uh, which is funny because usually in the last, I'd say the last decade, maybe maybe 20 years, the trade deadline in the NFL was kind of blah. It didn't really mean anything. Nobody right. got moved. But leading up to uh, leading up to the trade deadline this year, there have been some big moves that are just 
not they're not perplexing, but they're just. You talking about this uh, Harrison trade right here? Well, there's a lot of trades actually. Okay. Uh, going back to last week, uh, the Jaguars traded for Carlos Hyde from the Browns, and he he ended up in Jacksonville looking to f- solidify that running game. Right, right. Uh, Amari Cooper, the Dallas Cowboys traded for Amari Cooper uh, for a first round draft. They traded him for a first round draft pick uh, for next season uh, from the Raiders. Uh, Snacks Harrison got traded today uh, to Detroit for for. Uh, draft picks and then eli apple got traded yesterday uh or oh, late or early this morning he, eli apple got traded for uh, to the saints for some draft picks six days yeah so it's been like the trade deadline is really interesting and i kind of wonder how that will affect people's um collecting habits like their pcs i don't know that snack snack harrison's has a lot of cards or but eli apple does eli apple was the 10th overall pick in the in the draft two seasons ago right so I mean, he's got he's got rookies out there giants fans obviously collected him and now he's playing for the saints so is that how's that going to affect their collecting habits with eli apple are they just out on eli apple now because he got traded and he's no longer a giant so i guess if you're a giant fan that might be it but if you're just an eli apple pc guy you wouldn't really see the ramifications yeah you wouldn't see from that for a while would yeah you? yeah so uh it's going to be interesting to see how i'm always curious to see how this uh brings it back brings the collector back down to earth sometimes especially with guys who have hundreds and hundreds of cards of, of a certain player right and all of a sudden they're not on that team anymore yeah i that's the one thing i just as not really knowing so much on like the sports collectible yeah. side i i do see players they, they switch teams so yeah. often like how does that work is it just does the legacy of that card value go down does it go up or and is it just a case-by-case and basis typically it's a, yeah typically it's a case-by-case basis and it's, it's all about the guy on the secondary market and how he's doing gotcha a guy like eli apple he's he's got a few things going against him one he's played for a crappy team for the last few seasons yeah but i mean there was there was a reason he was picked number 10 overall because they they were so bad that they had that high of a draft pick uh eli apple specifically though he he's a good he's a good he's a good safety he's a he, he if anybody remember remembers him at ohio state they remember what a hell of a football player he was and he's going to a team now that could potentially be a super bowl contender this year so, in, so his value can only go up. It could go up. Yes, it definitely could. Could being yeah. the key word here. Exactly. So yeah. uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, but more importantly, and while I'm talking about the Giants, is sure. uh, Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, and no one, I'm not, I'm not trying to discredit his talent because he is otherworldly talented. But Saquon Barkley was picked very early this year in the NFL draft. I believe he was the number two overall pick. Um and he landed on a team in New York who who everybody just they just tagged him that they were going to be this offensive juggernaut this year and they sucked man they're 1 and 6 it's very clear now that they should have picked one of the one of the four quarterbacks coming out uh in last season's draft but they didn't and now they're in a place where they're going to stick with Eli Apple I mean, I'm sorry they're going to stick with Eli Manning through you know, through the trade deadline and in, and and probably through the end of the season, but right. they're bad. And I th- what I'm getting at is I think this hurts. Yeah, I'm not saying great things. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> this hurts. I think this hurts Saquon Barkley in the long run, uh, or at least through the season. He's gonna he's gonna be put in positions where he's not. He's, they're not gonna be successful. And I don't think it's gonna just destroy his card values at all. But it could hurt his card values because he's going to be playing for a poor team unless he just outshines everybody else on the field. It's going to be who's he trading to? Uh, no, he's not. He's staying. He's, he's staying. Know, he's staying. Okay. There's no way that they're going to trade that pick. But what I'm saying is that the Giants should have picked 
one of the quarterbacks because Eli Manning is not the quarterback of the future. He's 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 a two-time Super Bowl winner. Right. He's he's going to go into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But they're in a position where they should have picked a quarterback and they didn't and now they're setting themselves up for next year's draft with all these draft picks that they're getting back for these trades. Right, right. Uh, right. where they're clearly in rebuild mode. So it's a uh, I guess collectors of Saquon, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh just hang hang tight. Don't give up on that yet. Because Saquon is like he's in other worlds. Outside talent. of this, does he have a high collectible value? Oh yeah, totally, yeah. totally. I mean, he was the number two overall pick, I believe. Ooh, and, okay. and he's he's just he's I've seen him personally do things. Uh, on he was he was standing from me to you, and he was doing things on the football field that I've never seen before. Really? Yeah. Like <laughs> so, what? Like just you don't mind me asking? No, like he's just he's. He's got a low center of gravity. He's got legs like a tree. Yeah, and like he, the cuts that he was making, he was leaping over people. Big dude, man, six foot, two hundred thirty-five yeah. pounds. Yeah, and he's he's very smart. He's knowledgeable of the game. He, I, I saw him pick up a football, uh, and throw it to through a tire, through a hole in a tire, first try. What? Yeah, it so was like it was, like what precision? Yeah, that's crazy. And he's not even a, he's not even a quarterback. He's a running back. Wow. So it's he's just he's a he's an otherworldly athlete, and he's just stuck in a bad. A bad spot right now, but don't give collectors of Saquon. Don't give up on him; he will definitely make it worth your while. And we, uh, you also did a, you also put out a props yesterday. Yeah, let's let's wrap up this show. We'll, sure, we'll talk about the props episode. Uh, that was a fun one for me. We reviewed two uh, thousands, um, the replacements. I, I'm drawing a blank because I was like, I almost called it necessary roughness. And if you listen to the <laughs> show, if you listen that to was, the uh, show last week, yeah, if you listen to the show, uh, you will understand why uh, it, it is this this. In my opinion, please listen to the show. It, this is almost shot for shot necessary roughness, and my co-host agrees with me. In fact, it was his opinion before it was mine. Uh, it was it was uh, almost shot for shot necessary roughness, except for the pro version. This is a movie that. Like I should have liked what was better. That, what was it about? So in 1987, the NFL players union went on strike. Right. So this is loosely based on that. It it kind of follows that same kind of kind of theme. Uh, uh, there's there's a player strike in the NFL, and they they bring in these scrubs to finish out the football season. Okay. That's what it's about. Uh, it's at, at its core, it's about Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Whoa. Well, at its go. core, it's about Keanu Reeves playing a quarterback called his name's Shane Falco, who had a great who had a great career college career. Gene Hackman at oh god, Gene Hackman is uh, rocking that hat. Uh, Ke- so Keanu Reeves has a great career at Ohio State, yeah, and that he just he he has one bad game in the Sugar Bowl and it never pans out for him in the NFL or or the professional football league here that they obviously can't call it the NFL in the movie. So. Um, Looks a little more culty. Yeah, it looks a little, like yeah. this. This movie is very highly quotable. There's lots of quotes from this, right. and there's scenes in this movie that that will like live, it. will forever live in football lore. But uh, for me, it it fell short. It's not as funny in 2018 as it does not it was get the t- thumbs up from you. It does not. No. But the good thing is, is from a collectible standpoint, which is what we always bring it back to. Uh-huh. There's uh. Because it was in 2000, there's lots of collectible stuff out there for it. Oh, that's cool. So um, it's very cool to uh, 
to think about it from that aspect. I am not a, the, the biggest Keanu Reeves fan in this time period. See, John Favreau was in it too. John Favreau was <laughs> in it. He played he have you ever seen The Waterboy? Yeah. He basically played Bobby Boucher except oh, okay. for that makes sense. Uh, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> it's so it there's there's a lot lot going on. Please, I mean I know that people love this movie, so please go check out the podcast. I'd really appreciate it and um, let let me know your thoughts, but that that's it, man. That's that's episode 300. We did it. We did it. We did it. We drove the Persian invaders back. Yes. <laughs> yes. This uh, is Sparta. We defended it with our lives. Let's talk about that pit that they kicked it, that they kicked people into. You know, okay, Where did so that pit go? so another nerdy with that pit. Uh-huh. Um that basically it just comes out the other side. Oh, okay. Yeah, once you fall down, you just like hop back on the other side. It's just like an infinite loop. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. he's fine. He's still just like kind of <laughs> he's just rolling around. Okay. I was actually playing. Um, there's this game out. It's called Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Um, Odyssey. Yeah. And in the very beginning of that game, you play as King Leonidas. Oh, nice. And it sounds just like Gerard Butler. Oh, wow. To the point where I'm like, did Gerard Butler voice that? Maybe. But um, no, yeah, it's cool. Um, let's see here. What's left? Of, what's left on the thing here? Oh, I went scooting. That's the last thing I wanted to talk about. Okay, cool. So, have you have you been to uh, downtown Dallas uh, recently, or like downtown Fort Worth? They have these big green scooters. scooters yeah. So basically, you just download an app and you like sign yeah. in on it, and um, you can just scoot anywhere you want. Really. Sure. Like they say, oh, don't scoot here, don't scoot here. But I'm like, eh, I'm gonna scoot over there. You can <laughs> do that for hours, by the way. It's okay. so much fun. Is it free? Uh, it's like it's like fifteen cents a mile or something like that. All right. So I scooted for like two hours for like eight bucks. So so um, pretty cheap. You you wouldn't have known this because uh, you, you're new to the show here. But yeah. when Paul was around, like there was this fascination that I had about not not the scooters but the bikes. Like the rideshare bikes are everywhere in Dallas. So to the point where like I saw this it was it was this picture uh it was like welcome to Dallas yeah. and it showed the bridge and yeah. like the water but there was like one of those bikes sticking out of the water. Yeah. So I'm like yeah. I did some research on this because I'm still fascinated by it. The line bikes. The, yeah, uh, yeah, there are more bikes in Dallas County uh-huh. <laughs> than there than there are in New York City. That is a problem. Well, yeah, that's a problem. That's too a, many bikes. That's a big problem. How many, many is that? Is that like five million bikes? It was yeah. Like we had, we like, had like some absurd number. Yeah, it was it was an it was an absurd number, but uh, so that's why the Dallas County is you know constantly voting against that thing now. And they're, they're terrible. Like the scooters, like they're going to be more like expensive to make, so that they're not going to be everywhere. But sure. the bikes, literally, like in Euless, I saw them. So and I was like, who's riding their bikes from Dallas to Euless? That's you like. Guys, you guys out there on the podcast, twenty five miles. Let me know how many bikes are in your area. Those line bikes, <laughs> and and burn them for us. God, get rid of them. All right, we got to wrap this up. We got to get back to work. Ran uh, a little long. Yeah, we ran a little long. Thanks again to all of our guests this week. Uh, Rick, Rick from the pod, pod collect, Pop Collectors Alliance, uh, James from uh, the Indiegogo Kilted Avenger giveaway. Uh, thanks to you, Eldar, for stopping by no and, and making this happen. Uh, thanks for hanging out this week. Thanks for listening until just, I'm sorry. Thanks for listening until next week. Just keep listening. Cue the Drake.